Moncrief on News Talk. Time for Tell Me Now with Graham Finley. If you have a question for Graham, you can send it in as ever to afternoon at newstalk.com. Today's question is why are the vast majority of musicians male? And Graham joins us now on News Talk. Afternoon, Graham. Afternoon. Uh, and that is the case. It's not just someone's general impression that the majority are male. No, the original questioner asked, um, why does it seem like um, the vast majority of musicians are male? But uh, actually, they, they also sort of got this impression. And it's true. The vast majority of musicians you're likely to hear on the radio or, um, you know, are in the charts or you'll see videos for are male. Nice. And, and, it's, and it's really bad. Uh, and uh, it's really remarkable. And I think it's really struck, it's striking to go look at the figures because, you know, you might just thinking about the musicians you've heard, like Dolly Parton, you know, or anybody else, you know, you might say, oh, but there's so many famous female musicians, Joni Mitchell and Dolly Parton and all the ones who exist today who I don't know anything about because I'm old, right? <laughs> you know, they, you know, they stand out in a way because the vast majority of musicians are male. And um, so, for example, in the charts, um, just we can look at Ireland, we can look at the UK, we can look at the United States. They've done studies of all this stuff. Um, you know, a lot of progress has been made, which means that in 2019, 22.5% of the top songs uh, in, in the United States were, were by women. Uh, and in Ireland, it was only of Irish acts, which were, in, you know, played on, on the various radio stations. Um, they only looked at Irish acts. 7% uh, were, were women, um, most of which were just two people. Um, uh, Dolores Reardon of the Cranberries uh, and, uh, and Soleil. Where, where the vast majority of, of even those. So it's, um, you know, a number of, when they did the study, which was a little while ago, but not that much longer ago, you know, they, you know, they did, some stations didn't play any Irish female acts uh, in, in their mm. top 20. Well, indeed, and we were only talking about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. We did, uh, uh, we did a piece on just that particular study in, in, in relation to Ireland. Uh, but just because you're not hearing... Uh, as many Irish or as many female artists on the radio uh, uh, as male artists, does that necessarily mean there are fewer female musicians? It seems to be the case. Again, you know, we're talking about the the musicians we see, but one of the things, I mean, so what there is is there seems to have been a big gap between people who play music, um, although there are barriers there, um, and people who are sort of performing it live because they've done studies in the UK and again. There are very, very few female live acts as a percentage of the of the uh, of the, the performing groups, um, and in fact, um, all female acts are something like nine percent, as opposed to all male acts, which are sixty something percent. So, so part of this is this history of women gradually being sort of allowed to play music, uh, but not ever be seen as creators of music. So, if you think about Jane Austen novels in the early half of the the nineteenth century, you know one of the skills you need to be a Jane Austen heroine is to play music or, you know, if you have an annoying sister who plays music or whatever, right? Um, mm. You never see Mr. Darcy playing music, um, as far as I remember. Yeah. You know, and um, and so this was just one of those accomplishments which a woman was supposed to have if she was of certain class in the early 19th century. And But the aim of that wasn't to be good at the music per se. It was to be good enough to get yourself a husband. Yeah, that and keep your family entertained while we all waited around for Mr. Darcy to show up. Right? Yeah, you know? sure. So, um, and again, yeah, so that was an accomplishment, but the idea that you would write music or create music um, or that you would perform music outside the household was just seemed very strange to people. Um, and But 
as things changed, you know, towards the end of the, of the 19th century, the second half of the 19th century, you see more and more women being allowed to be music teachers, uh, at least, because they'd have acquired these skills. And as people are sort of getting out of the house in various ways, and as our societies become more urbanized and people have more contact with each other and things get professionalized, you see more women going into music teaching. Um, and that was actually a story in Ireland where, you know, as women became allowed to be music teachers, eventually there were sort of breakthroughs where you had professional music teachers who actually received fair pay and benefits at the Royal Irish Academy of Music. Um, and uh, and that really, this was Fanny Robinson, and I'm stealing from a PhD, really interesting PhD thesis by Jennifer O'Connor from Maynooth. But um, anyway, you know, Fanny Robinson um, was the first teacher at the Royal Irish Academy of Music, and that really started a movement of hiring more and more teachers, which eventually saw uh, a woman, Dr. Annie Patterson, with a man, to be fair, found the Fesh Kyo uh, as, as a way of, you know, professionalizing, but also, you know, putting some kind of shape on, on music. And so as you see this sort of professionalization and standardization of music throughout the 19th century, you see a lot more women as performers and teachers, but they don't break into performance and they don't break into songwriting and composing. Mm. Uh, well, why? Well, that's a really good question. There's a lot of reasons why it's still tough these days to make it as a woman. One is, again, this, this idea of the woman as the as the wife and mother. And, and so one of the most interesting stories is uh, Fanny and Felix Mendelssohn. Now, you may have heard about Felix Mendelssohn uh, as a famous com classical mm. composer, but his sister was viewed by visitors to their home as equally gifted, if not more. And her, but their father said, oh, you know, Felix can really make a career in this, whereas this, for you, this will only be an ornament to your life. Right. Because um, her job was going to be, you know, a wife and mother and then, you know, the one who was really good at composing music. Similarly, Clara Schumann, who's who's one of the few female composers whose work is frequently played today. You know, her last name is because she married Robert Schumann. Right. So so, you know, this part of it is this idea of what women do. But this is really carried into the music industry such that women are not encouraged to play certain instruments like guitars. And, and people have talked about being discouraged by the very masculine, you know, atmosphere of a guitar store where, you know, they get asked if they're shopping for a husband or a boyfriend or something like that. Mm. Um, and where, the, you know, the sort of guitar store guy, right, which is a bit like record store guy, you know, just doesn't see this as a, as a woman's purview. Apparently there's an all-woman um, uh, Fanny's Guitar, as they call themselves, um, in, in Nashville, which, which um, is very welcoming to women and has a whole mural of, great female guitarists, including Dolly Parton. And, um, and you know, it's a very different space for women to buy guitars, but that's about it. So, so starting on a particular instrument, um, and again, some of this was kicked off when St. Vincent, who's a fantastic uh, guitarist, uh, complained about systematic sexism in the industry. So, um, you know, again, you get discouraged from taking up certain roles. So women sing, but they don't play guitar or they don't play drums or, or, or this or that. And these are hard to overcome. The idea that that girl groups are are largely singing groups or dancing groups that you know again the one thing women are allowed to do is sing and so if you have a band and this is true of a lot large number of bands as you'll think you've got one woman and it's a singer mm. you know so all those things you know really prevent people from from breaking in uh, and it's true across different musical genres um, you know I mean heavy metal um, and so forth pop music generally country and Latino music are, are particularly unequal. Um, and in fact, people have done a discursive analysis of country lyrics that suggests that they become a little more focused on getting women to engage in, in, in brief sexual encounters. 
and specifically white women um, and, a, and, a, and a sort of idolization of white women in recent country music. But uh, so country's got a problem. The one place a lot of people look for um, women being, you know, taken as equals and having opportunities is punk. Um, now, this could be overstated, but, you know, there were a lot of great female punk groups. And the idea that everybody could do it, and then secondly, that people should go out there and, and kick ass and claim their rights, has been suggested as, as the basis for punk music as having a particularly more egalitarian kind of ethos. Mm, what about classical music classical in terms music. of performing it now? Yeah, performing it. So again, um, you know, girls do better than boys on the Leaving Cert music tests and exams, right? Um, that's just a, a fact. Uh, and, and again, we see lots of girls performing classical music. And if you go to an orchestra, and uh, we all dream of being able to do this someday, right? Um, you'll see that there are quite a few women there. They, they probably you know, count next time you're you know, watching an orchestra or a symphony. You know, you, you see how many women there are. They probably won't be the majority, but it's a lot better than it used to be. You know, in the 50s and 60s, minuscule numbers of women would be performing in, in, in orchestras. Um, this is also, partly it's because, again, you know, women were not encouraged to compose orchestras, not that this is going to get you into an orchestra, but um, that's another factor of the composer problem. Anyway, so they, women were 5% of the Vienna Philharmonic, a very famous orchestra, you know, really small numbers of people, even though women were in the performing area in a lot of ways. Now, you don't see too many timpani players, right, or tuba players who are women. And I think we should really look at the instruments of the orchestra to see how gendered they are. They tend to be violinists or mm. flautists or things like that. Um, anyway, so what they did was they, they tried to take a step to, to fix this, and they started having blind auditions where they put up a screen where you couldn't see anything about the performer, and they just listen, at least for the first few rounds of an audition, to the performer behind the screen. Uh, and uh, that helped, but they still stopped, still didn't hire a lot of women into these orchestral roles. And that's because they heard the, people, the women's shoes as they came in to play, and they sounded different from men's shoes. And mm. so they think that that was the reason why women weren't making a lot of progress because you know women's shoes sound different from men's shoes. So they had the performers come in barefoot. Uh, and this has been going on for a very long time and has actually led to, uh, you know, an increase in the number of women up to the 20s and, and 30 percent of, of various orchestras. Now, again, still a minority, but it has had an effect. There's a huge and quite nerdy scholarly debate over just how much of an effect, because the great original study, which argued that this would have had a 50 percent better chance to um, that a woman would get to the very final set of auditions. You know, there are huge technical issues with the actual study. Anyway, um, one, what we're hearing now, though, is a call for uh, removing the blind auditions because one thing that process doesn't really do is address the problem of minority representation in orchestras, um, especially in all the great cities, say, of the United States, where they're you know, a diverse community um, being played for by mostly white orchestras. And so there's been a real movement to, to the idea of getting back to, to non-blind auditions so that people can, when all of the musicians are so technically brilliant, they can, you know, try to to have a, an orchestra which looks like the community who they're playing for. Graham, thanks so many for speaking with us today. Uh, Graham Finley, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, the golden age of Egyptology. Moncrief on News Talk.